We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> You're listening to Believe You Me with Michael the Count Bisbing. You know my name yet? And Anthony Lionheart Smith. All right. PYF, we are back. I'm at home. Anthony, where are you these days? Uh, I'm in Denver. I just got into, uh, I got this apartment uh, for the rest of this training camp. So I just got moved into it and I forgot my microphone. So I'm sure it's echoey in this empty ass apartment, but it's echoey. Am, you sound very, you very, sound very feminine. I don't know if it's like, you dude, know, maybe, that's just my, maybe, the micro, maybe the microphone <laughs> just makes me sound tougher. It gives you an extra boom. Just just raise your voice and speak a little more manly, please. Um, <laughs> how you been, man? I feel like, because we didn't manage to get a show in last week, I feel like it's been a lifetime. What have you been doing? So you're just still just training, getting ready for the Johnny Walker fight. Yeah, I'm just busting my ass, man. I'm getting punched in the face. I got black eyes. I'm getting the shit kicked out of me. Uh, the typical start to every training camp, you know, it's rough. I'm tired. I'm beat up and i thought i was in <clears throat> excuse me i thought i was in pretty good shape leading into this one but uh altitude here in denver is a whole different deal so it's going rough you know yeah well it's supposed to yeah. that's the idea if you're going mm -hmm. through a training camp and you're beating everyone's ass and you're the man and all the rest of it then you're not getting pushed you know that's right. the hard part getting to the fight is the easy sorry the fighting is the easy part they're getting ready for it the bloody repetitive nonsense, the getting up early, the running, the dieting, yeah. the sparring, time well, after time. That's what sucks. Is yeah, you know, Dustin I mean, Jacoby I'm, lives here, he's in shape. Cody Brundage lives here, he's in shape. Rob Wilkinson, he's the PFL light heavyweight champion. Yep. Um, he's getting he's getting ready for Tiago Santos. He's been here for a while, so he's peaking and getting ready to fight. So I'm just. I don't know. I imagine like a, a herd of buffalo running down the, the the prairie and like you're standing on the outside, like trying to jump in and like keep up. But you're, you're going to get banged up no matter what. So I'm trying to figure it out. But it's a rough one. A herd of buffalo. So Anthony Smith is getting stampeded on. <laughs> yeah. Wild Coloradian buffalo. That's um, how I feel. Now, I was going to say, I've said this before, you know, um, the fight is the easy part because that's when you mm -hmm. walk out and there's 20,000 people and they're all cheering and screaming your name or maybe they're booing you. Whatever the case is, there's energy, there's emotion, you're getting the recognition, the fame, the money, all the rest of it. No one gives a damn on a Tuesday, cold Tuesday morning when you're getting out of bed and it's freezing cold and your body's aching from head to toe and you got to go in the gym and do it time after time and over and over again. There's no crowd. There's no one cheering mm -hmm. you on. There's no one giving you checks. 
You know what I mean? That's the hard part. Getting through a training camp is what separates the boys from the men and the people that can stick to that and turn up, stick to that routine and have the discipline to do that and the mental toughness. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? People talk all the yeah. time about, you know, you see it, don't you? Um, I forget who it is. They talk about the Marines. And, of course, the, the training process for the Marines, of course, it's really tough. You know, and I'm not taking anything away from them and saying that this is tougher. But it's kind of a similar thing. Um, get, going through a training camp and sticking to the schedule is not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And it's it takes precedence over everything else that you do. So, that's that's kind of like bringing fucking microphones to the podcast like like bringing microphones and 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 everything like it's 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 all you think about and which is fine that's my job that's what i signed up to do but um you're right the the fight is the easy part it's the the fight at the very worst is 25 minutes i can do anything for 25 minutes i've been i got this shit to do for the next eight weeks like I can do anything for 25 minutes. That's it's and you're getting paid. Like you said, everybody's cheering or booing or whatever. And, and you go in you, at, at worst, it's going to suck for 25 minutes and then you're done. What is the hardest part of the camp right now in terms of preparing for Johnny Walker? Obviously a big, tall, rangy opponent, mm-hmm. wild, a little unorthodox, but I think he's trying to tame that side of him. What is the biggest challenge for you personally when it comes up? So going up against Johnny Walker. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to pull the curtain. I, I don't even care. It, making sure that I'm not getting too tall because he is a little bit wild and crazy. So I have a tendency sometimes to crack and pull out and, 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 you know, I'll throw something. And then when someone's countering, I, I've been so I'm so used to being long and being the longer guy that I can get away with it. So just con- just constantly getting yelled at, like, you know, got to stay low, bend your knees, stop, you know, I got to move my feet, not always pulling out of these combinations all the time. It, so mentally that's the most frustrating one because I, I do it a lot, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and we've been working on that for a long time because it got me caught in the Glover to share fight, you know, when he had me backed up against the fence, I went to pull back when he was throwing a big overhand um, and I, the cage was there. So I couldn't go, I could pull back all the way and I got caught, but just little shit and in the grind, you know, the, the, yep. the grind. Cause he's lately, he has started to slow the fight down a little bit. And, and I suspect he's going to want to clinch and, and fight in that, that kind of close range. And so just making sure that I'm in shape to grind like that for 25 minutes and that, you know, how it is that those, you know, the, the fence fighting, the clinch fighting, the dirty boxing, the, the up and down with the wrestling, it, it's just hard. It's just really hard. Yep. No, it is. It's bloody exhausting. It really is. Uh, well, all the best. How, how long to the fight now? Seven weeks. Seven weeks. Seven weeks of no microphone. Anthony Smith coming your nah, way. Now we'll get a microphone today. I'll stop. get used I'll, to I'll it. Go, I'll go get yeah, one today. Of course, of course. Um, so over the weekend we had Marabdavaj really taking on Piotr Jan in a yeah. very eventful fight card, and we also had the power slap thing, Let's which I commented. <laughs> so, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fight's obviously for me way more important, way more sig- higher significance, but I, I didn't get to watch them properly. I do know what happened. I did keep literally one eye on it. That's all I can do. But, you know, I was at the apex when we were getting ready to go live with the power slap thing. The fights were on, but mm-hmm. obviously you can't watch them properly. You know, you, you're doing a job, you're getting your suit on, your makeup, all that crap. But I was doing my best to like, try and track them. So I can talk about what happened. 
But do we want to do that or do we want to mention just quickly, do we want to talk about what happened at Power Slap? Your call, Mr. Smith. Well, let's uh, let, let's go over the Power Slap just a little bit and then we can get into the fights properly because I think they deserve a little more time as, as best we can. Of course they do. Of course they yeah. do. Um, listen, we haven't talked about it too much, to be honest. The Power Slap thing, there is a lot of critics out there. And I know there is. And, and, and one side of me kind of understands it, right? But I had a conversation with Dana when I walked in Saturday night. I drove home straight after the event, you know, like three and a half hours driving. I was thinking about the event. And this week, sorry, the week they'd just gone, I was in Vegas all week. And I sat down with all the guys competing in it. And when you get to hear their backstories and where they come from and what they're doing and they're trying to change their lives, you know, and and not everyone's got what it has, what it takes to go out there and become a professional mixed martial artist and fight at the highest level. And some of those people have tried to do that. Some of them haven't, you know, but then they have this avenue. And I understand the people go, oh, but it's violence, it's violence. And maybe you're taking advantage of these people. What we've got to remember is Dana never invented this sport or sport. I, I do, I do struggle to call it a sport, but this, this, this competition, Dana never invented that. It was already a thing. It's all over the world. It's in Russia. It's in the UK. It's in China. It's all over the United States of America. Right. So he's a businessman. So an opportunity, give it a bit more glitz and glamour, you know, and, and I'm telling you the event was fucking amazing. It was. It was so entertaining. Uh, and, the, and I'm going to shut up and let you talk in a second. But, you know, some of these guys, Dana said to me uh, Saturday night, went over $60,000, right? Some of the people, they're, they're, I think most of them, their pay was either 15000 to show, 15000 to win. That's $30,000 if you win. Does it sound like a lot of money to some people? Well, it is a lot of money. Certainly the type of people that we're speaking about. And I said to my wife, Rebecca, I was talking to her. I said, can you remember when I was on the Ultimate Fighter, season three of the Ultimate Fighter, we were so broke, right? And I remember for winning a fight, you got 5K, mm -hmm. right? So if you got a stoppage, you got 5K. And at the end of it, I had two stoppages, right? And I'm like, that's $10,000. And you got a small amount each week. And I remember adding it all up and saying, fucking the babe. I'm coming home with like 16,000 something fucking dollars. And that was life changing money. Right. You know, and I said to Dana, I said, it's, you know, life's been very good. I've done well through the UFC and things like that. And now I have a lot of opportunities. It's easy to forget those days. And that's where these people are coming from. Like there was one guy that competed. Uh, his son sadly has some condition. There's less than a thousand in the world. And. You know, they, 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 these are simple kind of guys. Yeah, you know, just normal people. The, you know, one guy's, you know, they're, they're working two, three jobs. This one mm -hmm. guy is a child that has a condition, less than a thousand kids in the world, and is going to die pretty soon. <sighs> wow. I know, and he was fighting about the tears, and I was like so emotional talking to him. And he's like, this, if, if there's a couple more events this year as well, and I get to do them, this allows me to not be working and spend time with my son. Do you know what I mean? So for all those fucking critics out there, you know what I mean? Everyone is trying to just fucking get ahead and scratch and claw. And if you're in a position of wealth or financial security and you have the ability to look down on people like that, well, then good for fucking you. But a lot of people aren't. And if they're going to do this at Power Slap, if they're not going to do this at Power Slap, they're going to do it somewhere else where there's no regulation, there's no athletic commission, 
There's no medical mm-hmm. screening. There's nothing like that. And if you speak to and these people, they are, are so grateful. They are so grateful for these opportunities. And I think people need to remember that. Yeah, one, they're not going to make that kind of money anywhere else at some of these other organizations. And I, like, I think that Dana should have put that that fact forward from the very beginning that he didn't invent this. I was a, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I would have, was a fan of the power slap thing or, or slap fighting in general for a couple of years now, way before the slap fighting league was even a thing. Um, and, and you're right. When I went back during that pilot event and, and you talked to some of these guys, they could not have been happier to be there. They, they were so excited. They were in a, this multi-million dollar facility with people tending to them and making sure that they need something and, me and you and some of the other commentators are going back and like they couldn't have been happier to see us just to come back and and say hi to them you know like the, when you talk about opportunities i i think that uh what was his name ko chris ko chris was in the middle of that platform screaming if it wasn't for for the power slap league i'd been i would be down and out like i i just like sometimes i see these people on twitter and they're just like Oh, Anthony Smith likes this shit. This is bullshit. This is disgust. Like, fuck you. Like, I'm, I met these people. You know what I mean? Like, I've talked to them. Like, I've hung out around these guys. Like, if this is what they want to do, like you said, they're going to do it regardless. So why not do it here and get and get a hell of a lot more money than they're going to make anywhere else? And they're grown ass men. Like, let them do whatever they want. And they're getting recognition as well. People are starting to know who they are now. They're making money, you know, and, and there's, there's a both. And I get it. It's not for everybody. I get it's not for everybody. 100%. I'm, not, I'm not forcing people to say, you got to watch this. This is something that you need to be a part of. It's just don't judge other people. For, for well, well there's seeing. still a lot of people that frown upon mixed martial arts. When I did mm-hmm. that movie last year in Bulgaria, there was a guy that I met, became a very good friend, Luca, lovely guy. Uh, and we've really got a lot in common. He's a huge boxing fan, massive boxing fan. Doesn't get MMA, you know what I mean? But I was trying to educate educate him on it and, you know, some of the technicalities. And he's like, oh, well, in my mind, Mike, he said, I just see someone get knocked down and you follow them down to the ground. It just seems so barbaric. And remember, in the 90s, it was banned. Do you know what I mean? And the sport's mm-hmm. come a long way, but it's still a gruesome sport and people still get fucking knocked out. People still get kicked in the head. People still lose their goddamn eyeballs and, and their knees and vision and all kinds of stuff, you know? Horses... For courses. And I'll tell you what, the horses that this is, is pure entertainment and shock value. The best part about an MMA fight is seeing someone get knocked the fuck out. Let's be <laughs> honest. Let's right. be honest. It's great. And I love to see the competitiveness and I love to see the sportsmanship and I love to see the technique on display and the strategy and the human chess element of it all. We all love that. But when it ends in a spectacular knockout, when Francis Ngannou decapitates Alistair Overeem, <laughs> when Dan Henderson flatlines me and then dives on me, that's what has made this sport so big, right? And I'm telling you right now, Saturday night in the Apex, the place was packed out. The atmosphere was goddamn electric. The production was sensational. And the reaction, because a lot of people got knocked out. A lot <laughs> yeah. of people got knocked out. And I'm telling you, the place lost their goddamn mind. Yeah, dude, I'm tell- I, I thought the production was great. And, and you know, I seen Dana on the uh, – during the production, you know, the, the camera would pan by, and I seen Dana on that red phone a couple times. So that tells me that the production is only going to get better from here because that's, oh, yeah. that's, you know, that's telling me that he's, he's, he's sold, you know, he's bought in. 
he's to make it the best he possibly can. I get it. It's not for everybody. But like you said, no. if, if you want to tune in well, we're gonna move on. and watch us kick each other in the face, a, a couple slaps should hurt your feelings too much. It, it, it really shouldn't. You know, and if, as Dana said, if you don't like it, then don't watch it. That's all you got to do. But, you know, understand that these people have been given a platform. You know, and this sounds like I'm on a massive PR campaign because I'll be honest, I, you know, I, I did it slightly on my reservations. I was like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this. But when you speak to the people, as I said before, and, and I'm repeating myself now, and you hear the stories and, and the hardship, but not all of them are like that. Like, you know, there's a guy called Vern Cathy who was on there at the weekend. He lost. Mm -hmm. He got knocked out. But he's a really nice, put-together guy. He's an engineer. He's a family man. You know, th th there's a lot of them like that. Darius the Destroyer, who was in the main event. Again, these words or names mean nothing to MMA fans. And we are going to move on to MMA in a second. But um, he's a really, really nice guy. He's not a wild man. He's not a thug. He's not covered in tattoos. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? He was 19 right. years old and he got involved with this and realized he had a talent for it. As it turns out, he got knocked out Saturday <laughs> night, sadly. But um, but then there is some wild cards. There is the guy that you mentioned, KO Chris Thomas. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's that, that guy knocks everyone the F out, but he's a maniac. You know, maniac. He, he, he turned up 16 pounds over and he didn't have a clue what to do. So I talked him through the process on how to cut weight and I could see that I was looking at him and it was just going in one ear and out the other. You know, yeah. I'm talking about salt mass and distilled water and carbohydrates <laughs> and fucking this and that. And he's like, the fuck, the man? Short-circuiting. <laughs> so I, I give him my phone number. I said, right, look, listen, take my number. Well, it turns out he doesn't have a phone, right? Because <laughs> this is the kind of guy that he is, right? So he's like, can yeah. you write it down? I mean, I haven't written down my number in a long time because you just don't right. have to do it. So I wrote the number down and ripped off a piece of paper. Give me a call later. Next time I saw him, he's lost a piece of paper. Can I give it to him again? Can I, you know, so there's these people, there's people that are very put together and there's other people that need these goddamn outlets and these platforms to be able to, hey, he has a talent for taking a shot and he has a talent for knocking someone the hell out. So for him, this is, this is Christmas. You know, <laughs> anyway, so it was bloody fun. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's still on Rumble. If you want to see some people getting knocked out and you appreciate a bit of shock and awe, That's it's for place. you. You'll enjoy yeah, it's, it. It's real. All right, Harrington, how are you, buddy? Brian, should we have a little foursome? That's sounding weird. Oh, I like those. <laughs> oh, foursome, boys. What do you guys think of my, my fake plants in this new apartment? You guys like this? Very fancy. Yeah, man. You got, hanging? You got them hanging back here, too? It's like you got a woman's touch on the road, dude. It's cool. Well, well, see, the, the fake plants, the fake, see, Rebecca has a big problem with fake plants. Anywhere we go, if they have fake plants, she just automatically thinks it's super tacky. And she's right. So, I mean, there's just no need for them. Why for the, why the, if you don't have a plant, have a real plant. They were plant. here. They were already here. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not blaming you, Anthony. Oh, I was like, I, I didn't put them there. I know you didn't bring them with you. You didn't even bring a fucking microphone. <laughs> Would you have been pissed that, if I had brought fake plants with no, no. microphone? Like <laughs> the fake plants, <laughs> but no microphone. <laughs> it just shows laziness, to be honest. It's like they don't want to take care of plants, so they put fake ones up. No, That's when fair. you go into restaurants and there's fake, like there's a couple, maybe it's just by our house or maybe you've experienced this phenomenon, but you go into a restaurant and they've got fake plants everywhere. It's shit. And Rebecca and Rebecca hates it. Straight, oh, she's like, I don't like this place. Look at the fake plants. Yeah, let's get, <laughs> relax. We're getting out of here. Did you? It's got the best steak in town. It says so on the sign. 
<laughs> Anytime it says the best steak in town, it's not the best. Yeah. What's no. going on, Harrington? Nothing too much, man. Just, uh, yeah, having a nice Monday here. Excited to be doing the show. Very good, very Why good. Why do you say it like uh, that? What do you mean? Why do you, I felt like we got attacked there for a second, Mike. Like, oh, I'm just happy to be doing this. Happy we're here. I am. There was a great fights over the weekend. Power slap was awesome. Uh, uh, Wolverine blink, blink once if you need our help. If you're being <laughs> held hostage by a crazy pregnant woman. <laughs> Dude, I'm just so glad to be out of the house, guys. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad you're out of the house also. All right, guys, let's just talk about chalk real quick. C-H-O-Q. Chalk, what are they? Well, they are a natural all-natural testosterone booster. Listen, a lot of guys out there, hit your 30s, you start losing testosterone. 40s, it's going down quick. 50s, you need help. If you're following a good lifestyle, you're eating healthy, you're working out, but you're not seeing the gains that you want, it's because of the testosterone. If the libido's dropping, again, there you go. And if you're tired and feel unmotivated, it's because the testosterone is probably dipping. Okay, that is where chalk comes in. Okay, men's testosterone levels, they are at an all-time low, and chalk has created a new natural testosterone booster that's taken the sports and nutrition world by storm. And I prefer chalk for several reasons. Well, because first of all, it's all natural. You can see all the ingredients. There's no label fluffing. Most supplements are filled with weak, trashy, and dirty ingredients, okay? I said recently, Jeff Davisky said that a lot of places, you can literally just grab dirt from the back garden, put it in a tub, and just label it however you want. And until they are challenged in a court of law, they don't have to change it. Well, chalk, as I say, this is all legit, all natural, and all the ingredients are measured to exact clinical research. And also, Chalk Daily, be sure to check out their male vitality stack and the stack ultra okay chuck daily is the cleanest research-based testosterone booster available today and you can get it with a 35 percent discount go to chalk.com that is c-h-o-q.com and use the promo code bisping at checkout for 35 percent of your entire order chalk.com promo code bisping 35 percent off all right marab devalish really Duvalish Wheelie or Duvalish Vili? Duvalish Vili, I think. Yeah, that's what I always thought. But over the weekend, I heard a lot of Duvalish Wheelie. Oh, well, I, they can't change it now. I already got the first one down. Duvalish. Anyway, Vili. Duvalish. No, Marab. 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 We'll go with Marab. Marab versus Piotr Jan. Um, five rounds. First round was competitive from what I saw from, from Marab. As I say, I was, I was getting my makeup done. We were doing little rehearsals, but I was watching. Uh, he looked really competitive in the first round, but the, as the fight progressed, Marab just seemed to take over the nonstop barrage of wrestling and uh, striking, the combination, the mm-hmm. output, the pace he was able to keep. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Piotr Jan just couldn't keep up. No, I was, I was shocked, to be honest with you, because I, I, I thought that Peter Jan's wrestling was pretty good. I guess I underestimated Marab's willingness to just continue to shoot he was 11 for 49 on take 49 takedown attempts that's uh, that's a record number one number two that's absolutely exhausting so the fact i i don't know any high level bantamweight that's that's going to be able to withstand that kind of pressure you know like you're going to have to put that guy out when he's coming in on takedown it's 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 mind-blowing 
the the amount of pressure that he put on Piotr Jan. It's Piotr Jan looked good in the first couple of rounds. It just everything Murad was doing, it was like it was it it was more than him just spam spamming takedowns over and over and over. I mean he he was de- he was getting P- Piotr Jan to, to shell up really tight like he tends to do, and then ducking under to get to the double leg, switching off to the single. You know when he was getting he was beating Piotr Jan's underhook a bunch, getting pushed up against the fence. I mean everything he did was just. 100 miles an hour the entire 25 minutes. I I, I couldn't be more impressed with Marab, to be honest with you. I, I thought the game plan was perfect. The pressure was perfect. He was in fantastic shape. He was dangerous enough on his feet to to be able to mix, you know, mix up Piotrion's defenses where he couldn't just only defend the wrestling because he was he was at least threatening him on his feet as well. He was Yeah, no, he he, he barbecued sorry. his leg early, like hurt his leg really bad with those leg kicks to where Piotrion had to switch stances and fight out of the southpaw the entire time versus his switching back and forth like he likes to do. Uh, he he kind of just he kind of just beat him pillar to post and beat him everywhere. Yeah, he did a really good job of weaponizing his pace or weaponizing his cardio, mm-hmm. you know, because I talk about it all the time. One of the most well, the most crucial factor is being in the best shape possible. Of course, you got to have the martial arts side of things ticked. That's expected. We are mixed martial artists, the best in the world, fighting at the highest level. So you've got to have those skills. Outside of that, if if they're both equal men, the guy with the best conditioning, more than likely over a five-round fight, will win the fight. Because that's what I used to do early in my career. Marab, you push such a pace and they can stay with you. They can stay with you. But then after a bit, they start slowing down. They start slowing and they just can't Mm -hmm. keep up. And then you take over. They make mistakes and you start demoralizing them. You know, taking the well, fight then it gets out of them. Easier for you, right? Pardon me. Then it gets easier for you. You know, as they're as they're trying to keep up, and then they fall off. Then it's it makes it way easier. Then you're not working nearly as hard, and they're gassed. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, well done to Marab Devashvili. I mean, that is a big win. Piotr Jan, though. I mean, to, is that four out of five now? So uh, Marab O'Malley, two to Aljamain. Yeah. So he's lost four in a row. That's crazy. It's crazy. For being champion of the world. Mm-hmm. Champion of the world to four in a row. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a steep fall off, isn't it? The poor guy. Yeah. Oh, he wouldn't get sand egg, and that's right. Thank you, Harry. Oh, yeah. Between Aljo. Uh, what that one knee kind of changed for him, though, right? Kind of changed the trajectory of his whole career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had some amazing fights, though, but mm-hmm. I would say... You don't get to stay. Your time in the sun doesn't last forever. All right, so Harrington, do you have, or just uh, come on, do you have the quote from Dana? Because Dana obviously was asked about Marab fighting for the belt next because Aljamain Sterling is the champ. Of course, Marab's right there now. I think he's on a nine-fight win streak now. Nine-fight win streak. By far, that's his biggest win. You would think next fight, is a title fight. But obviously there's Cejudo and Aljamain, there's Sean O'Malley, there's Sandhagen, there's Cheeto Vera. But if we were to imagine that it is Marab next, what did Dana have to say about that, Harrington? Uh, So Dana's quote was, yeah, we don't have to deal with this BS anymore. You know, back in the early days, the camps were so small, you didn't have a lot of different options. So we had a lot of these guys saying, oh, he's my friend, he's my friend. You can still be friends, and want what your friend has. You know what I mean? It really is a bad idea for Marab to go down that path. It's such a tough situation. 
And I understand what Dane is saying. Dane is basically just saying, listen, Marab, you're going to do what's right by you, you know? Because yeah. you only get one shot at this, and, and it is so hard. And I, I understand Marab's situation. I really do. They're best buddies, Marab and Aljamain. They've been training together for years. Stepping in the cage with each other is lunacy. It really is. It's be like the set of the, the movie Warrior. The brothers fight each other. It's not going to happen. But also at the same time, so you're just going to agree? I, I, I understand Dana's side. I understand Marab's side. I mean, what would you do, Anthony? Let's just say, let's just say, you and Harrington have been oh, best friends Harrington. forever. <laughs> you and Harrington have been best friends forever. You help each other train. Harrington's the champ. Harrington is the champion of the world. You're the number one contender. <laughs> you know, I think that this has to be kind of a mutual thing. Um, and it's going to be some hard conversations. But if, if Aljamain is as good of a friend to Marab as Marab is to Aljo, and that's the thing. I don't know. If, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've seen it go both ways. What I've seen is Marab ride hard as shit for his best friend. I haven't always necessarily seen it go the other way for Aljo. Maybe he's just not. Well, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. Oh, but I think sensational is, headline coming up tomorrow. Oh, for sure. This is a perfect opportunity for for Aljo to to show his friendship. Like if you guys really don't want to fight, that means. One guy gets to benefit and be the champion, and the other doesn't. So if that's the case, then you got to go up and let your boy fight for the title. That that's what you have to do. If you if if you guys are best friends, that's what has to happen. Otherwise, one guy gets everything, and the other guy is just asked out, holding on to his friend flag. You know, just yeah. like hey, um, yeah. this is what I got, and then the, my best friend gets to keep his title, and I don't even get a chance at it. So it just doesn't seem fair to me. So. It sounds like Aljo is ready to go to 145. Is what it sounds like if he if he can get a win over Cejudo. If if he does, I, I think that that's what should happen if they're really best friends. And if and if and if he's not willing to do that, then I think that should tell Marab all he needs to know. It it, it is a tricky one, you know. It maybe is. we could stir the pot and 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 highlight to Marab that Aljamain's not been a good friend. Anthony Smith says so. <laughs> That's not what I said. Yeah, it is. I read between the lines. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> That's not what Aljamain's, I said. Aljamain uses him as a punch bag. He's a good training partner, but he just like keeps him out of the public eye. You know, when the cameras come around, Aljamain, uh, Marab, go and get my bags. Go and get me a smoothie. Come I on, need go water. Get me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. Uh, I feel bad for those guys. No, I do. Well, I feel bad for Murab because, as you say, mm -hmm. Aljamain, he's, he's, he's in a great position. He's making tons of money. That fight is scheduled now, right? Him and Henry Cejudo. I mm -hmm. think he's in Newark, New Jersey. New is Jersey. that April or May? That's May 6th. Yeah, May 6th. Um, and you never know. I think, I think it's You really never know. So who, this problem might be solved very quickly. Cejudo will go and take that belt. So this mm -hmm. is all forgotten about. It, you know? It's really risky for Marab too. Like, there's so many good guys in that weight class. Like, you're gonna hang out and just hope that eventually Aljo moves up. Like, there, there's Sandhagen, there's, you know, there's Cejudo, there's, uh, I mean, the, the list goes on. There's Cheeto, there's, uh, there's all these guys that are just floating around. He could lose at any point in time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, well, 
so who knows if he beats him, that solves this problem. So I guess we'll see how it all plays out. But well done to Marab. Solid mm-hmm. guy. He's just such a nice guy as well. So humble and very, very friendly. Uh, we'll go through the rest of the card in a minute. But Harrington, um, Anthony, how fast do you think you could run 100 metres? I don't know. Pretty fast. Pretty oh, really? fast. Pretty fast, eh? Are you, were fast. you a sprinter? No. <laughs> I didn't do any track at all. What about when you're 100 years old? How, old, how fast do you think you could run it then? Probably... Under an hour for sure. No, I'll be dead. I'm not making it to a hundred, but Harrington. No way. Uh, do you think you could beat a minute thirty-seven at a, at a hundred years old? <laughs> yeah. If I made it to a hundred, hell no. <laughs> Go on, Harrington. Give us the give us the what story. Uh, so a hundred-year-old woman set the world record uh, for a hundred-meter dash for a person over the age of eighty. Uh, she completed it in one minute and seventeen seconds. Oh, I'll wow. dust her right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll dust that lady right now. Hold on. So she is she's 100 years old. She Good is 100 years old. Uh, the record is for, uh, they, they stopped counting it, like, I guess, over 80 is its own, uh, is its own class, uh, and they don't right. go much higher than that. Uh, she says she took up uh, the act of running uh, when her son passed away. Uh, so anytime a parent has to bury a kid, figure something out, she figured out a, a track, and she's now a world champion. Oh, well, God bless her. That's amazing. That's, 100 that's years crazy. old and still doing that. Setting world record is incredible. I hope I don't live that long. Because once you live Do- long enough... To where you start burying all your friends, your family, your children. Nah, man, I'm not burying my kids. They're gonna yeah. bury me. Well, hopefully none of us have to bury our no, kids. No, but no, really you know, I've been thinking about this a lot though recently. I've been thinking about old age. I've got to go my, my wrist. I can't rotate my wrist right now. I can do that, but I, I've got to go have another surgery on my goddamn wrist. I'm just sick of having surgeries. But I do think about old age a lot now. You know, do you, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to be an active older person. You know, I, in my mind, I will be. I hopefully will be, but who knows? How do you think you're going to age? Will, will it be a graceful aging process for Mr. Smith? No, I don't. Honestly, I, <laughs> I talk about this with my wife all the time, that I, I want to do the best that I can to continue to take care of my body. And, you know, because she's been pushing me to get this neck surgery and all this other stuff. And I just like, I don't want to do it, you know. And she, she always says, you're going to be 60 years old unable to do anything with your kids you know you know you're going to be 40 years old struggling to get out of bed and i just i I think that it's going to be uh i think it's going to be a steep fall (laughs) to be honest you know i I was thinking about this today mike i remember when i i used to do these interviews all the time and when i was getting close to having 50 professional fights you know it's been like i don't know a couple years ago i was getting close to 50 and people say well hey you know how do you feel how do you feel? It's a lot of fights. You've been at this a long time. And, I, and at the time, I remember thinking, like, damn, I kind of feel good. Like, I feel really good still. And I now I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's just the, the difference in a couple of years. It just takes a lot more maintenance. It takes a lot more focus. It's just it takes a lot more time to continue to keep making sure that I'm on the up and up every single well, time. It- that's because it's a tough life. It's hard on the body. Yeah. It really is. And I always try and tell young fighters, up and coming fighters, 
train smart, don't take too many shots to the head and stretch a lot. I wish I did a lot more. My mobility is so messed up and I don't want to sit here and go through all my injuries because people are sick to death of hearing about me. But the road of a mixed martial artist is very, very tough, you know? And it's just like any sport, really. Because I was going to say, there's only a few people, not a few people, a, a, a low percentage of people, should I say, you know, that really, you know, makes it work for them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just like a lot of sports. It's only the tip of the iceberg, really, or the top section. You know, if you look at a, a picture of a, a mountain, it always has like the little snowy bit at the top. Mm -hmm. The snowy bit at the top of that mountain is the percentage of people, fighters, athletes, any sportsman, really, that make it work for them. And at the end of it, are able to sit back and go, do you know what? I did it. I made my mark. I made some money. I made some history. It was all worthwhile. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because sadly, a lot of people are going to fall into obscurity. A lot of people are going to yeah. go through the hardships and the sacrifice and the injuries, you know, and not make it. And that's not because of the UFC. It's not because of anything. It's because of that's the competitive nature and the cream rises to the top. And when the cream gets to the top, it forms a little bit of snow at the top of the mountain. My God, the analogies are all falling into one another. But do you see what I'm saying? No? It's <laughs> yeah. fucking hard, man. It's a hard life. It's it's so. Again, I don't want to sit here because nobody wants to listen to me bitch and complain about how hard my job is. But I do. We were just talking about old age, and when I was younger, I just never, I never considered what life was going to be like in my 40s. I didn't consider what the 50s were going to look like because I just was laser focused, didn't give a fuck, whatever I need to do, whatever I need to break, whatever, whatever, I just need to make it, you know? And that was, and now I'm like, whew. And I remember those times in my twenties now are like, I remember that one. You know, just, I think about it more now, you know? So I'm trying to train yeah. smarter. I'm trying to, you know, I don't spar nearly as much as I used to. You know, I don't, I don't walk around nearly as many black eyes as I used to. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I turned 44 last week. And I'm like, I hate it because now it's like 43, early 40s. You know what I mean? <laughs> 44, definite mid 40s. Mid 40s. <laughs> Without questions. So he's in his mid 40s, I think. Whereas before, <laughs> early 40s, just turned 40. Still a young man. Right. Middle, middle of the 40s, pushing 50. Oh, my God. Yeah. The old yeah, people at 43 would still say, oh, you're still a young man. Last night I was watching some, uh, what was it? What were we watching in bed last night? I forget. Oh, no, I started watching Breaking Bad again. What a show that is. And have you seen Breaking Bad? Mm -mm, I haven't. Oh, my God. Anthony, you've got everybody's, to start Everybody says that. Is it's it the that best good? show ever made. Well, one of. Oh, it's up there. It's top three. You've got to watch it, okay? You've got to watch Breaking Bad. Anyway, I'm going to start watching it Bad. tonight. Please do. For episode one's awesome. I got, Straight I got into nothing it. to do. I got nothing to do. Episode one, Breaking Bad. Beep, 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 beep. News just in. Um, <laughs> but um, on the show, Skylar and then this other woman, they're talking, and one of them's turning 40. And I started watching this back in like 2010. I think. And I, was, mm -hmm. I wasn't even thinking about my 40s. Now I'm older than those women on the show. I'm like, I'm 40 fucking four. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where has time gone? Anyway, the most of it, people, this is not a rehearsal. We are here for a, a very, very short time. Uh, all right, what else on the fight? So Alexander Volkov versus Alexander Romanov ended in the first round. Thoughts on that one, Anthony? 
No, I thought uh, Alexander Volkov looked really good. You know, he's obviously been, uh, I think they said on the broadcast, he'd been in, he's been in the States for the last five or six months out in California working on his wrestling and wrestling only. Uh, it showed, you know, I think his last couple fights, they made a big deal about him putting on more weight. So he was just physically able to deal with some of these heavyweights. Um, to be fair, I thought Alexander Romanov looked about, well, and the numbers, you know, prove this. He, he's about 40 pounds heavier than he typically is. You know, he, when he first hey, came hey, in. Hey, Brian, just while Anthony talks, can you just bring up a picture of Romanov at the weekend? Because you're right, he's put on about 20 pounds of fat. Yeah, he's, he's it's all around the midsection. He, he looks like shit. Um, just to put it bluntly. And he, when he came in, he was big and thick and fast. And he was throwing big punches, getting takedowns. He was aggressive. And now he's honestly, he's just kind of a fat slob right now. So I don't know if he's not taking it serious. Um, but to, to Volkov's credit, he does look be- bigger. He looks stronger. He, his takedown defense was on point. Um, once Romanov didn't get that first takedown, though, he was it looked kind of shot. I don't think he had any plans after that. Yeah, no, he definitely came in looking heavier. I couldn't believe uh, the pictures that I saw. Uh, yeah, the the weighings and stuff around the midsection. I was like, yeah, geez, Louise, because he really does look like he's put some on. That's not too bad though, because his arms are up and it's it's uh, you know the arms up kind no, of. No, that's got to be his. Belly. That's got to be his debut. That's got to be an early. That's his fight. debut. There's that's another one be. there. Let's have a look. Basically, scour the internet. There we go. Yeah. That's a bit, yeah. Basically, we want you to scour the internet and body shame, fat shame Alexander Romanov, who's a very dangerous elite Yeah, heavyweight. he'll still beat the shit out of oh, you. Oh, he'll smack the <laughs> fuck out of the pair of us. <laughs> We're like, he's so fat. What is he doing? Oh, yeah. is, I mean, we call it what it is. He he looks like he's not training. He can't even get a haircut. He, he used to come in his hair high and tight, nice and shaved, flat stomach for the most part. He's still heavyweight. He was thick. You know, he's a little bigger. Now he's huge belly, hasn't shaved, ain't cutting his hair. It's like he came straight off the couch. Do you know what that says to me? Uh, moving off Romanov for a second. But Volkov was uh, impressive. He is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First round stoppage over Jozinho Rosenstroik. Uh, stopped Volkov there, who was undefeated until quite recently. Lost to Martian mm-hmm. Tybura. Prior to that, he was undefeated. This just says to me, and of course, you know, I'm on the bandwagon. But this just highlights how good Tom Aspinall is. Because Tom Aspinall, last March, went through Volkov like a hot knife through butter. Made it look so easy, you know. And I'm excited for the comeback of Tom Aspinall. Obviously, we've got a big pay-per-view at the weekend. I only got home yesterday. I get back on a plane tomorrow and we fly to London for the pay-per-view. My kids don't even know what I look like anymore. But yeah, Tom Aspinall, that that just highlights that to me. Yeah, you know, I, I think on the broadcast and I, I think even on some of the pre-fight stuff, they had talked about, um, well, Volkov had fixed the mistakes. He had worked on this. He, he took, he learned a lot from the Aspinall fight. And I, I don't think that that was necessarily fair to Alexander Volkov to say, oh, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. Like, I think Tom Aspinall is just a level above Volkov right now. So it's, he looked sensational versus Rosenstrike. He looked great versus uh Romanov like I think it's okay to say he's way better than these two guys he's just a level below this guy and I and I think that that's a, a really great point by you I, I I I thought the same thing like god damn how good is Tom Aspinall because he made it look yeah. easy well I'll be seeing him this week 
Uh, he's Jealous. invited me out for drinks. I'm like, no, 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 Tom, I'm not. He's like, come on, mate, we're going to have a beer. Everyone, when I'm going back to England, they're all like, there's so many people. Oh, we're meeting up, we're meeting up. I'm like, guys, I'm getting in Wednesday. I leave on Sunday. In between that, I've got a shit ton of things to do. I'm not there on holiday. So all you people, I will not be joining you at the pubs and the bars and things like that. I'll be I'll be head down doing my studies, you know. Tell, tell, tell Tommy to call, you know, book a flight. Fly his old friend Anthony on down there. He needs to have a Come on. Get little Anthony Smith over. All right, let's just take a quick minute to thank our newest sponsor, Manta Sleep. High-level athletes and performers know quality sleep is the foundation for everything good that happens in life. Driven by the belief, Manta is on a mission to give light sleepers control and mastery over their sleep. With Manta Sleep, you can maximize the enjoyment of life and unlock your full potential. The masks are 100% blackout for deeper sleep. They are made of soft, breathable, and durable materials, so you'll never worry about it stretching out or falling off. And you can check out the brand new sound mask featuring razor-thin Bluetooth headphones and a 20-hour battery life. As always, Manta features a 60-day free risk trial and free shipping in the USA. So right now, go to the website, mantasleep.com see their full selection of sleep accessories they have body pillows weighted blankets sleep machines anything and everything a light sleeper could need be sure to check out mantasleep.com use the promo code bispin to get 10% off the perfect gift for yourself or the light sleeper that everybody knows give the gift of better sleep by going to mantasleep.com use the code bispin 10% off manta sleep better Anywhere, anytime. Um, all right, last one, because uh, we've got lots of other stuff to talk about. And we have got Kamara Usman coming back this weekend. So I'm excited for that against Leon Edwards. But the, the main event a few weeks ago, Nikita Krilov and Ryan Spam, as we all know, didn't happen on the day. Krilov was very sick, but they rebooked it for the weekend. Happy to see it was a quick turnaround. It came in at a catch weight, which again, makes sense. Making 205 when you're a big dude is a whole process. So they allowed them an extra 10 pounds. Ryan Spandekita Krylov went at it. As I say, I was very busy, but I went to the toilet and as I was walking back, uh, the fight was happening. And then I saw the finish. And it was the craziest finish because Nikita Krylov had taken the back of Ryan Span. Ryan Span was like, you know, arching up, like tripoding, sticking his butt up in the air, trying to shake him off the top, mm-hmm. which is a common thing. You just shake a little bit. You know, when they're a little sweaty, they'll slide off when they get too high up. He falls off, and I thought, oh, my God, because you got to like Nikita Krilov. He's a good dude, but so is Ryan Spahn. So he's like, may the best man win, but I'm like, oh, shit, he made a big mistake there. And then Ryan Spahn just falls into a triangle. Darn, I mean, listen, man. granted, I mean, listen, credit to Krilov. Of course, credit. He did it. He saw it. He did it. He achieved it. He conceived, believed, and achieved <laughs> it. But Ryan Spahn, what the fuck was he doing? I, I don't know. It, listen, that this is what... Okay, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, and I'm so glad that you brought this up. But Because I, I almost tweeted, I almost sent a tweet to Ryan Spann yesterday. Because, again, obviously, Ryan Spann and I have not been the best friend, best of friends. I, I really have a lot of respect for his coach. I love his team, and I really like his coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in Say the game. Saud. Love that guy. Amazing uh, guy. Shout out to him. Yeah, one of the, one of the best minds in the game right now. That is that is Ryan Span 101. I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. 
when I were talking about what my game plan is for, for Johnny Walker. I said he's exactly like Ryan Spann. If you give him enough rope, he'll hang himself. And that's exactly what, what Ryan Spann runs into. He looked really good during that fight. He was transitioning very well. He was winning a lot of those scrambles. And he just can't keep it together. And he just dives into something with a big over. I mean, I mean, one hand down and throwing the other one into a overhand right into someone's guard is just asking to get triangle. But then I then I go on Twitter yesterday. I'm scrolling through board and, and seeing someone had retweeted something that he that he tweeted. It, it, I don't remember the exact tweet, but it was long story short. It said the address to the gym is what I'm assuming. It was an address in Dallas, Texas, and says, if you don't plan on showing up to this and you don't got shit to say, he's, he's mad at all the people on the Internet trolling him because he got beat. Some of that is his fault because of some of the things that he says leading into these fights. Then he loses and it looks bad. And I almost tweeted him and, and was like, this is the problem with Ryan Spann as a whole. Why do you care what these people on the internet say about you to the point where you're going to give them an address so that they can come and say whatever they got to say to their face? Why do you care so much about what these people say that you want them to come say it to your face? Like, I just wanted to, to just tell him, like, you got to check. This is to him and all fighters that worry about this stuff. I'm, I'm not saying there's not going to be things on the internet that are going to hurt your feelings because it happens to me sometimes when people say some things that are true. Sometimes it hurts my feelings, but by and large, most of that shit is bullshit. So to him and, and everybody else that, that just reads the comments all the time and gets so upset about them, you've got to stop, specifically Ryan, has got to stop putting so much energy into what everyone around him says and, and the, the trolls and the shit talkers and even fighters. Like, don't, I don't know why, don't worry about what I'm saying. Just worry about what you and your team are saying. And, and I think that if he can, if he can get his mental space if his mental capacity would match his physical ability, he'd be unstoppable. He, he really would. Physically, he is so talented. He's strong. He's fast. He's explosive. He, he moves very, very well for his size. He's huge. If he could get his mental capacity to just dial it in and just, and just focus on what him and his team are saying. Like, he's one of those guys in the division that, like, I have always kept my eye on because – it's always been if he can figure it out upstairs, he's going to be a goddamn problem for everybody to deal with. But diving into triangles when you're winning transitions, when you're, you, you, you start freaking out and going on Twitter and worried about trolls and all this other bullshit, that, that's what separates being really good from being great. And with that kind of mentality and worried about all that other bullshit, he's never going to be great. And that's what I wanted to tweet him like. Just, just stop. I know we don't even get along, but I, like, I almost feel bad for you. Like, you're so worried about all this other bullshit. Like, fix the stuff in the gym. Tune into what Safe is telling you, and 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 I think that's going to get you a, a whole lot further. It's and I know I went, I know I went on a rant there. No, 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 not, not at all. And you're spot on. You're absolutely right. And every time I've spoke to Ryan Spann on a fighter interview, he always talks about you know the emotional side, the feeling side, controlling you know, working with uh, sports psychologists and things like that because the anxiety of the sport in general, you know, mm -hmm. is what holds him back. And that crosses over into the performances. You know, you've got to yeah. be able to stay calm and level-headed in the most craziest situation that you can imagine yourself in. Imagine being, if you've never done it, if you've done it, I've done it many times, but the people at home, imagine having a full-on fist fight 
to the highest degree, full contact, trying to knock the shit out of your opponent in a cage with 20,000 people watching, within millions and millions of around the world watching. Imagine that pressure and what that feels like. But also at the same time, you've got to be able to remain calm. Do you know what I mean? And not mm -hmm. let the adrenaline take over the decision-making part of your brain. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. the decision-making is so important. And if the adrenaline gets too high, then that goes out the window. And then you make stupid decisions. And then you panic when somebody takes you back or whatever the case may be. And then shit goes wrong. And that's why the top guys, they're the ones that are able to almost, you know, like, like look at Fedor Emelianenko, how yeah. stoic he would be and how emotionless. You know, you've got to try and be like that or... You know, in those insane situations, just, 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 just stay, just stay very level, and that's right. the tricky part. Um, he's embarrassed. That's why he's going after people on social yeah. media, because that's the hard part of, of it as well. Because you go out there and you do put yourself out there to be critiqued, mm -hmm. to be talked about, to be abused. Sadly, there is a lot of people that will do that, and it's hard to turn the other cheek. Certainly, if you're in slap fighting, you can't do that there. That's flinching, and <laughs> well, you get an extra you, one. Do you find yourself wanting to, like, pull him under your wing a little bit? Like, that's what I find myself, like, and we don't even get along, but I, I find myself, like, wanting to, like, talk to him. Like, like take him out to dinner and to be like, what in the fuck is happening here? Like, you were too good to be losing the way that you lose sometimes. Like, his, his mental his – mental, his mental capacity in these fights is such a liability. I wasn't worried about the physical part or whatever, the technical, phys all that other shit during training camp. I wasn't even worried about it because it wasn't going to last long anyways, because you can see it as he goes. Like as long as you stick around long enough and you're just technically fundamentally sound, he'll run into something on his own. And, and it, he's just, I, maybe it's the, the one the, the, the part of me that's at the, the last half of my career where like he's going to be around long after I'm gone. So like, it just, I don't know. It just, it's so frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm almost past the point of not even getting along with him anymore. I'm just like, I almost want to help him. Like you're yeah. too goddamn good to, you're too talented to, to fall apart like that in some of those critical moments. I find myself trying to mentor a lot of fighters these days a little yeah. bit. I don't mean mentor. Maybe that's too strong of a word. I just want to help them. Give them some I want to, I want to Exactly. Because as, as a 44-year-old man and having been through it, you know, and the, all the ups and downs, I like to just bestow a little bit of wisdom. But it's hard to do it without being condescending or patronizing because that's the last right. thing that someone wants or needs. And if they feel that, it can make them angry. Uh, but, you know, well done to Nikita Krilov. That man is a problem. Yeah. Obviously, we also had uh, Davey Grant friend of the show he was on there uh, inverted triangle 4 minutes 43 of the final round yeah. Davy Grant one of the nicest guys he's down to jump on the podcast today but I'm still feeling like crap so I'm going to get him on the next show so keep an eye out for that one Davy. dangerous Davy. absolutely love that guy right Harrington what is outside of the fights we're not going to go through all of them from Saturday night because We've got a lot of news to talk about, and we've got some nonsense stories from Harrington as well. But what is the biggest news story in the world of mixed martial arts? In fact, in fact, hold on. Did you see that nonsense with Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather last week? You never talked <laughs> yeah. about this. Yes, I did see it. If you can pull up that video, please, Brian. 
So Jake Paul was at a Miami Heat baseball, a basketball game last, yeah. I think it was Thursday night or Wednesday night mm -hmm. or Thursday night. And then Floyd Mayweather runs up on him. He's got about 10 goons with him. They're filming the whole thing. He's got his bodyguards, the talking shit. I think Jake Paul had a bodyguard with him as well. But basically they all surround him and they say, oh, are we going to mess him up? Are we going to bust him up or something like that? And in the end, Jake Paul starts like kind of walking away. But then he turns around and full on, Runs away. Here's the video. What's going on? What's up, Floyd? I can have what I want. What's your name? Was the camera? You got camera too. So what you supposed? Who you supposed to be? I'm. I'm just working, man. What happened? You're not tough anymore since your loss. What happened since your loss? Yo, we gonna bust him up, guys? Yo, let's bust him up. Where you running, Jake? Where you going since your fight? Since you lost. What's up, Jake? Where you going, Jake? Oh, he's running! He's running! Look at him! <laughs> right. Oh, man. There's a lot. It's hard. I am not. Def Floyd Mayweather's a pussy for doing that. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you were going there. I'm glad you were going there. First and foremost, all the blame is on Floyd Mayweather. Get your shit together. I think he's 44 as well, or 46. What are mm -hmm. you doing running around with a bunch of thugs doing that? I, 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 I'm assuming that he's trying to angle for that fight because he's still been doing the demonstration bouts. The last one that he had at the Ultra Arena, there was hardly anybody there. And I'm assuming yeah. the pay-per-view buys reflected that as well. He sees Jake Paul's probably getting a lot of attention. Remember Jake Paul snatched the cap off him when Logan and Floyd fought. Yeah, so he's, got your hat. <laughs> got your hat. So he's, he's getting revenge for that. But, oh, but you mm. know, being a total thug, surrounding him with that amount of people and doing that, uh, Jay, uh, Floyd's an asshole for that. Yeah, uh, Jake Paul's hands are Go clean on. here. Jake Paul's but hands are clean here. There's a big butt, though. There's a big butt. There's a big butt, and I'm struggling to say the butt. You got to stand there and get your ass kicked like a man. You can't you, run away like thank that. Thank you. <laughs> you can't run away the, the, like that. So I, I, I'm all on Jake's side. But here's... Until he runs away. <laughs> yeah. You can't run away. You can't turn. Listen, and I'm not saying I'm a real tough guy, right? I'm not saying I'm the baddest man on the planet. I'm saying that the cut that I'm... The cloth that I am cut from, my DNA, every fiber of my being will not allow me to literally turn and run away. And, and, and by the way, that's the smart thing to do. That is the oh, thing yeah. that my mother always told me to do. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, but the fighter inside of me and the proud man that I am to a fault, I'm not saying that I'm great. And I know you totally agree with me. And it's, you're probably the same thing. But the only reason I'm bringing this up is because Jake Paul does these videos staring into camera just recently. I'm a messed up, violent man. You don't understand. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. But then when he's surrounded on camera, he turns around and runs down the street, actually sprints right. away. He did the right thing. He did the right thing. But you're not, you're not, you're not of you're the not same DNA. You're yeah. not what we are. No, no. I, I, I think that that's the, I think a lot of people are going to say, well, Michael and Anthony, that's the smart thing. He's outnumbered. That's yes. what he should have done. He shouldn't have been able to fight them. You're right. But you can't cut promos on people a couple weeks ago being this, you know, huffing and puffing in the camera. Flexing. You're talking about people's kids and their wives and their dad. And the, you're going to have to change your name. And some of the shit he said was pretty, was pretty real. You can't be that guy. 
And then Thank when you. Floyd Mayweather shows up, be that guy. You, yeah. yeah. I, 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 by the way, Jake did. Any other person should run away. And yes. if you're a fighter, you should still run away. But I'm just, I'm not criticizing. I would, I'm, I would, I'm, I'm criticizing Floyd Mayweather more than Jake. All I'm saying is for Jake, it's really unfortunate because he just lost his first fight. And then after that, he's filmed running away from a confrontation. <laughs> and I don't think Floyd or any of his people would have actually made it real. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I, Floyd, for all of his dumb shit that he does, it, he, he, he seems, at least later on in his life, he never takes it too far. You know, like he was very professional in the buildup with the Connor stuff. He never let any kind of physical altercations get in the way of his money. You know, even Connor kind of pushed the limit a couple times and touched him, and he didn't do anything about it. Uh, I think well, it was because the, in a real fight, Connor would smoke him. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think that. Honestly, I think that in a real fight, Jake Paul probably has the advantage over Floyd Mayweather, for being honest here. But one hundred percent, the reality is though, because we got to say he like was with a bunch of other people. I think he it's was, an intimidation. He was massively out. He was massively outnumbered. I just think he was trying to cut a promo. I don't think yeah. he would have punched him in the face or anything oh, it, like it, that. Way better than he expected it to, I'm sure. Oh, it was great because he ran away. <laughs> now, the only way Jake could get back at him, and he came back and he said, look, listen, I'll fight you one-on-one. -on -one. I wasn't going to stand there and fight you and 50 others, which I totally get. I totally get. I do. I am not saying that Jake's a pussy for running away. I'm saying that it just kind of, it conflicts the persona he's been trying to push lately. And he's it confirms. Not who he says he is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, and I'm listen. He did the right and thing. That's fine. That's fine. Just, that's totally fine. If anyone surrounds my children, I tell them run away. Run away. If I would tell yeah. any person in the world, the number one thing to do: avoid confrontation. Do not roll around in the streets. Do not engage in violence mm -hmm. on the streets because you know what? Something bad can happen. One little shot, you can fall down. You can bang your head. You can die. Someone else can die. They'll stamp on your head. They'll kick you in the face. Who knows where this is going to end up? Always avoid that at all. God damn costs but a lot of people that fight in the ufc they're not all people you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's that, that's why we do that for a living you know and 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 rightly or wrongly and it is wrongly i would have and i'm not trying to sound tough and i'm not ripping on but jake you, but you know what you would do but i, I wouldn't take a fucking backward step no way <laughs> i tell you little punk bitch you're coming up here with fucking five or six of you Mm -hmm. Tell them to cross the street and you stand there. You stand there right in front of my face then. Come on. And uh, well, whatever. Who cares? I'm not trying yeah. to sound tough. No, well, you, guys, you guys might beat my ass, but I'm going to get a couple of your guys' fucking shirts dirty. That's for I say, sure. Yeah, I say, well, go ahead then. Go ahead. You are going to kick the fuck out of me. But the first one that steps within striking range, you're getting knocked out. And after that, I'll go down. But I'm taking one of you with me. I'm taking one of you with me. I remember oh, my oldest man. brother, Stephen. Uh, there used to be this arcade, you know, video game arcade. Yeah. And I was with him. I, I was I was a kid. It was in Blackburn. It was a rough part of Blackburn. There was this arcade, Campbell's, I think it was called. Anyway, whatever. And um, there was like a lot of Pakistani gangs hung around in there, you know. And, and they, 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 uh, it was a rough part of town. And we went in there. And I don't know, my brother must have said the wrong thing. And then about 20 of these Pakistanis surrounded him. No. And they were going to kick the shit out of him. And then my brother just lost his shit and screamed at all of them. I said, come on then, 
first one fit, and they were like, oh, 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 calm down, calm down, because they thought he was a goddamn raging psycho. And then we walked right. up around the corner. He said, "He said I was shit in my pants the whole time." He said, "But it's all I could do. I had to, I, I had to see him like a psycho." He said, "I bought my, yeah, I was shit in my pants the whole time." Anyway, never forgot that. All right, Shopify is the e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. L listen, whatever you're selling, whatever your business is, you have to have an online presence. And getting online, getting a website, getting an e-commerce facility. Sounds expensive, sounds complicated, sounds very, very time-consuming. Well, that's where Shopify comes in. It makes it very, very easy. But more importantly, with the deal that we have, it makes it very cheap. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash believe. They take care of everything. Instantly, you can accept every major payment method. Shopify covers every sales channel. From an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, it even lets you sell across media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control of your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And 24-7 customer service is always available and an extensive business course library. Shopify is there to support you every step of the way. Listen, if you have a business, if you have an idea, if you have a brand, whatever it is, you've got to be online. You want to accept all major payment methods. Shopify makes you do that. Very, very simple, very easy, tons of support. And right now, $1 per month. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash believe or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash believe to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash believe. All right, Harrington, throw a story at us, please. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, so the looks like the first ever heavyweight unification in the four belt era in boxing is about to happen. Uh, over the weekend, Tyson Fury uh, called out Alexander Usyk. Uh, he said uh, that he is a bigger draw. He would like a 70-30 uh, cut on the, 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 the revenue split for the fight. Um, and that uh, Usyk would lose 1% for every day that he waited. Within an hour, Usyk responded saying, I'll do 70-30. Let's do it at Wembley in April but you have to donate a million dollars to the people of Ukraine and 1% of your fight purse for every day that you delay that donation. Oh, one. Yeah. I mean, fair play to Usyk. You got to love this guy. You know I mean? Obviously we're a mixed martial arts show, but you got to know the situation with Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. Usyk beat Anthony Joshua twice in a row. It's going to unify the belts against Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. I don't know. It's, I mean, you can't not be inspired by Tyson Fury. And of course, his performances in the ring are incredible. But, you know, making these demands and it needs to be done within the hour. And if every, every day that passes, it goes down and all the rest of it. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. But that's boxing and it's all hype and it's got us talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it did seem like, it seemed like kind of an asshole move a little bit. Like, it, I think that's the probably the one fight right now that everyone kind of wants to see. There's not a whole lot going on in the heavyweight boxing division right now. Um, I don't know. Just it, but and then the way he told him, like, we think you're worth thirty percent. Like, oh, that sounded that sounded kind of gross. Um, I mean, that's... I liked I loved Usyk's response though. He's like, all right, fine, I'll take the thirty yeah. percent because it's going to be more money than I'm going to make anywhere else. 
but you have to do something for Ukraine. And, I, and that kind of, I don't know, that he definitely took the, the baby face turn there and then it kind of forced Tyson Fury. He doesn't really have a choice. He kind of has to agree to that because he looks like an asshole if he doesn't. Yeah, well, he's got no choice. I mean, that fight needs to happen now. If that doesn't mm -hmm. happen, it'll be it'll be ridiculous because they are the two best heavyweights. Even though Tyson Fury and Usyk in a ring together will look like two different weight classes completely. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Usyk mm -hmm. looks like a bloody... Well, he was a cruiserweight for a while. Tremendously technical, though. So, fingers crossed that happens. But speaking of boxing, Francis Ngannou, as we know, is trying to... Fight Tyson Fury, fight Anthony Joshua. Well, it's looking now like two fights are signed or verbally agreed with Deontay Wilder. Uh, Harrington, if you have any details, but you heard that it's one MMA and one boxing. I cannot believe that. I don't believe that Deontay Wilder will fight Whoa. Tyson Fury in an MMA fight. Uh, so here, here's what I have. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll fight Francis Ngannou, pardon me. Uh, so... Nganu said that he has been talking to Eddie Hearn and his people about a possible Anthony Joshua fight. He said the furthest, though, he has gotten in talks with is the management uh, for Deontay Wilder. He said, basically, we have a verbal agreement in place for two fights, ideally doing one of them in Africa. He said next year is going to be the 50-year anniversary of Rumble in the Jungle, so maybe run something around that. Uh, Wilder had said earlier, I would love to do a two-fight deal uh, with Francis Ngannou. Everybody always talks about the MMA guy coming over to boxing. I'd like to to go over to his sport, do a one-and-one. One. Delta Wilder would get absolutely pummeled. If they do box, they got to do the boxing one first. Because there's no way yeah. Deontay is going to get into a ring with him ever again after he goes through an octagon with him. Because Francis Ngannou would... I mean, he's not a wrestler, but he can, he's damn sight more of a wrestler. <laughs> he was good enough to wrestle Cyril Gunn. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, he... Uh... Can you imagine Francis Ngannou crashing one of those leg kicks into those legs that Deontay Wilder's got attached to his lower body? Like, I just—it's just—I don't. Oh man, Deontay's tiny he's not as a well. Very big guy. He's not. He, I, th I think when he fought Tyson Fury, he weighed in like two hundred and twelve pounds, yeah. maybe even less. I think. Yeah, at least one of those times he weighed in at two twelve. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, which is what makes I him so much. I can't imagine me fighting Tyson Fury's gargantuan ass. And I'm well over 212. <laughs> yeah, but That's Deontay Wilder insane. hits so hard. It's insane. And he nearly, had the, he nearly had him beaten that first fight. Remember, it was like round eight or nine, knocked mm -hmm. him down, and Tyson didn't know where he was. I mean, he's got some crazy power. Yeah, that's he's super tall and pretty skinny. Like it's yeah, yeah. Because he's like he's got to be like six six. I mean, he's he's super tall. Oh, he's a big dude. He's a big dude yeah. for sure, but just very like compared to heavyweight boxing. Anyway, uh, I do hope that happens. Uh, Davidson Figueiredo. I'd love to see that. Oh, one hundred percent. I just want to see Engano in there. I mean, listen, he's not a boxer, but we know he's got the power. That's the equalizer against mm -hmm. any of these top boxers, you know. Because uh, he deserves it. I want to see him make the money. He, he rolled the dice. He left the UFC. Mm -hmm. I want to see him work out. And I want to watch it. I would watch that all day long. For sure. For Another sure. fight I'd like to see also is the one that Davidson Figueredo was calling for. Davidson Figueredo, as we know, lost his uh, flyweight title quadrilogy, if you will, to mm -hmm. Brandon Moreno. He says he's coming up to bantamweight. I can see you're tired, aren't you, Anthony? No, no. I'm just 
Yeah, I'm tired. Bored? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not bored at all. I'm just for Christ's sake. Michael. No, I've just been training, and I was up early, and I had an early flight this morning, six a.m. flight. It's a tough life. I'm flying to England tomorrow. It's not a competition. Um, Dominic Cruz has been called out against Davison Figueredo. What do you it, think about that? Uh, poor Dominic Cruz. Everybody has been calling him out lately. Uh, Jonathan Martinez called him out. There was another bantamweight recently that called out Dominic Cruz, and then now Davison Figueredo. I don't know why everyone wants to beat up on Dominic, but I get it. He's he's uh, uh, he's a name. He's a huge name in the division, one of the biggest <laughs> names in the division. Um, he was on a little bit of a run there, and, and obviously dropped the fight to Cheeto, which is you can't you can't hold anything against him there. Cheeto's one of the best in the world at that division, so. I, I think that people maybe are thinking that maybe he's maybe he's fallen off, maybe he's reaching the end, and and they want to kind of get that shine. Um, I think in terms of danger, um, and I don't think Dominic would get mad at me if he heard me say this. I, in terms of danger factor, like as far as who do you look at when you when you're when you're going to fight someone and, and make you feel I don't know like they're going to hurt you. Dominic Cruz isn't one of those guys. You know, you look at. Cheeto, he's going to bang up your legs. He's going to throw big punches. It, it, everything he does is going to hurt. Um, Dominic is a, is a technician. You know, he's a he, he he's very smooth and tactical and fast, and, and makes you miss a lot and counters and shoots good takedowns. But he, he's not hurting people. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's another reason that people are keen on him right now. It's it's probably though because he is Dominic Cruz. You know, I mean, right. the man is a legend of the lightweight divisions. It really is. And it's, it's, it is impressive that he's still around. I mean, he's been around for a long time now. Let's have a look. He had his first fight in 2005, been in the UFC or WEC since 2008, and it's 2023, and he's still going, you know. Mm-hmm. How old is he? I've just got his wiki page up here. Let me just see his age real quick. 38 years old. So for, for a bantamweight, that's, you know, that's all it's yeah, all but he's, he's got a massive name former champion mm-hmm. he will 100 go into the hall of fame that's without question and 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 he's still got it you know i talk to him you see him around you know when i'm commentating with him he is still pushing himself working on yeah. his body working on his recovery he's still very very much dedicated and still has a champion mindset you know and with respect, he's lost three out of his last five. You know, there's no disrespect in them. He only lost to the very best people. Marlon Vera recently, Henry Zahudo and Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Now that's going back to 2016. So that's over a long, long time. Right. He's not the most active guy. But against Figueredo, that would be a huge name for him if he could get the job done. Yeah. I don't really see much upside for Dominic in that fight, though. You think you think Figueredo's a big enough danger and big enough, I don't know, maybe threat or name himself that would put Dominic in a title contender fight right after that? I don't think Figueredo will be the guy to do that. And that's all Dominic's so. interested in. He knows he's near the that's end all of his he wants. career. He wants, yeah, that's all he, he wants. wants the biggest fights ever. And if he can see a way back to the title, he would love that. Of mm-hmm. course, that's going to be hard, but, you know, it's not impossible. And I just think, I don't think Davis and Figueredo would be the one to do it. And also... Let's be honest, a dangerous fight. Figueredo's a tough son of a bitch, you know? He really yeah. is, and Dom's getting a little bit older. Um, what else we got, Harrington? 
Take your time. All yeah, the time. Whenever you're ready, Harrington. Whenever, <laughs> whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. I could not find the button, guys. Uh, Cyril gone. Uh, he got an offer. Uh, to work on some deficiencies maybe in his game. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov says, I'll fly you out, like take your team, bring everybody. I'll put you guys up. We'll figure out lodging. Come here for a year, two years. I will teach you wrestling. How do you not take brother. that offer? Brother. Brother, listen, you come to Dagestan. We sought out lodging for you, no problem. <laughs> uh, still, you're going to be living in a cave like a hobbit, Okay. With your coaches, he said you could bring those people too. Bring the coaches along. Bring Fernando Lopez. What's going on? You got a little bit of a sniffle on today? I don't think so. My nose is starting running a little bit. You're sniffing a lot. My nose is blocked. Can you can you hear my jujitsu coach snoring? No, you know he just stopped. Scotty, stop snoring. You're gonna make it an episode on the podcast. Real interesting. Shut the hell up, Scotty. I'll tap you out. He said, it? "Shut up," or he's gonna he's gonna tap you out. Fucking good luck, buddy. I got my jujitsu coach here with me, uh, and he fell asleep on the couch while I'm recording here. And every once in a while, I hear a little. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is some some high quality podcasting going on here. It's some high quality stuff. Don't make me heel hook anybody, okay? Don't make me come out of retirement. I'll get you again. Uh oh. Um, um, where were we? What were we talking? Oh, Dagestan, Cyril Garn. Yeah, I feel for, I feel for Cyril. I feel for Cyril Garn because he's the nicest guy ever. But it's I was gonna say he got exposed by John Jones, and he did, but he also got exposed by someone that could probably do that to almost the entire division. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, oh, look at that. It's so easy to take down. And we're revisiting old ground. We went through this a couple of weeks ago or last week or whenever the hell it was. But he does need to work on that. Oh, and sure. there is no better person. And it's close to him, France, over to Dagestan. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not exactly around the corner. You're not going to drive it. It's definitely a few hours flight. But it's not bad. I mean, then that's about as good as you're going to get. Yeah, I would I would take him up on that immediately. If I was Cyril Gunn, I'd already be making plans to head on over there because he, he already has the striking part of it down. If he can if he can mix in the way that Habib wrestles and, and the way that their team attacks the, the striking game, because it's not that Habib teaches people to just wrestle. He he mixes it, he blends their striking and their wrestling together very well. So I don't know. I think I think that's probably best case scenario for Cyril Gon. If if Habib extends his hand and offers you some help, you, you fucking take it <laughs> every single time. He, I don't really I don't really care who you are, Cyril Gon or or anybody. If if Habib wants to give you some of his knowledge, you at least go over there and spend a little time and take what you can. Yep. Yeah. yeah Without question, without a shadow of a doubt. Sometimes you can just work with someone for thirty minutes and pick something up and it's like, wow, that's amazing. Like uh, I worked with this wrestler once and he showed me this amazing thing that I still use well, to this day. I do it now and again on Callum when we're wrestling. You know, someone's got their overhook, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. an underhook on you. You overhook their arm, but then you put it in like the crotch where their hip flexor is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you yeah. can like kind of arm bar them, you know yeah. what I mean? A little bit, you can use your arm to arm bar them and it mm-hmm. makes them disengage from the clinch straight away. I worked with this guy for five minutes. He showed me that I still use it to this day and it pisses everybody <laughs> off. It's great. But I think the larger conversation there is because Cyril Garn is French. He represents France in the UFC. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people 
And I saw some videos today on social media where, because obviously we've got the fights happening this weekend in London. Can't mm -hmm. wait to get there. Huge fight card. Usman, Edwards three, very excited. There was someone on the card doing an interview and they're saying, yeah, you know, I'm really proud because I've got here training in the UK and I want to show that it can be done by only training in the UK. And I'm not talking about Leon or anything like that. Um, and, he, and, and of course it could be done only training in the UK. And of course, Cyril can get better only training in Paris, you know? And of course, you know, you got to have loyalty to your team and all the rest of it. But what do you want to achieve? Do you want to just say, I made it, I did it, I managed to fight there, or do you want to become a champion? Are you willing to make those sacrifices? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone, go to another country, suck it up as Cyril Garn or whoever it is that I was watching, and fly to another country and be a guest and be humble and learn and be completely out of your depth in a language, sorry, a country with another language and weird foods and all the rest of it? Are you willing to go through that? to get to where you need to be, to acquire the skills. Because those skills can't just be downloaded and put into your brain like that. And where you are now or where anyone is, if they're not getting the results that they want, they've got to do something else. And they can sit there and you can talk about fucking loyalty and you can talk about representing your country and all the rest of it. Well, if you're born in that country, you'll always represent that country. And if you hold them in the heart, you'll always represent that country. And you can still be loyal to your goddamn team. But you can go to other places if you're willing to make those sacrifices and truly go after it, go after it with everything you've got and all the resources that are available. And I don't see some people doing that. Some people, you know, and there's no names. I'm just saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with going and doing what Khabib offered. No, no, not at all. And, and I mean, look, I'm, I represent Nebraska and I'm here training in Denver. It doesn't mean that I'm representing Nebraska any less because I'm, training my doing my camp in in Colorado right now it's just you got to seek out the partners you got to sometimes you got to isolate yourself you got to get away from your comfort zone you got to get you got to get out of your element and be uncomfortable and I, th I think that that's would that would be great for Cyril Ghan it doesn't make him any less of a, a Parisian fighter is that how you say it Parisian per, per, Parisian Parisian I almost Parisian. look at me look at me all cultured and shit I know um, I know just you've been there one time and now look at him walking around no, with a bloody croissant <laughs> yeah, I, I, either, either way, I think that that's something that Cyril should take advantage of. Because if if it was offered to me, I would. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, no, without question. And who wouldn't want to train with Khabib? Right, Khabib, Khabibi. Right, I know you haven't got too much time, Anthony. Uh, in fact, how much time do you have? Be honest. Uh, like eight minutes. Eight minutes, eight minutes. All right. Uh, is there one more breaking news story, Harrington, or should we go to questions? I don't mind doing questions by myself, but I know people have them for me and Anthony. Or is there a big story that we didn't get to? Oh, Conor McGregor, Dana White. We never did. Did we talk about this last week? I don't think we did. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, go on, Harrington, set the scene real quick. And then, Anthony, whenever you got to go, just say, listen, i got to get out of here. And I guess you can leave me with these two reprobates. But uh, go ahead, Harrington. I've been called worse. Uh, so... 
Dana White uh, came out uh, on one of the post by presses. I think it was for the John Jones card. Uh, and he said that there uh, there was an altercation already. Uh, there was a dust up in filming for tough. Uh, he said if he was a younger man, he would have jumped in. Uh, Amy Kaplan from Fanside was the first to report on the details. said apparently somebody was KO'd uh, during filming. McGregor jumped in the cage and shoved Chandler. Someone got slapped. And the teams rushed the stage. Nevada State Athletic Commission broke it up, and uh, she's promising a video interview to come. Yeah, I mean that's just tremendous promo in it. But yeah. but it's it, I'm not. Are we surprised? Are you surprised no, that they got into no. it? Come on, come no. on. Connor knows what he's doing. He's a businessman. He's gonna do a whole show of the Ultimate Fighter getting along with Michael Chandler. No way. You got to no, well, it's not just that. That's who he is as well. He is. He, you know, yeah. he likes a bit of confrontation. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure. that's who he is in his DNA. Like we said before, I can't imagine McGregor turning and running away. But no. we should because he's significantly smaller than Jake. But even still, you know, um, Chandler is literally one of the nicest guys ever. The nicest. He, he's like I don't the know classiest. How you, I don't know how you don't get along with that guy. So, what does Michael Chandler get mad about? What do you think? What do you I think an know. argument between Chandler and his wife sounds like? So I was at the apex. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's uh, no way. I, I met his wife in the nice. fight as well. What was she called? Lovely, lovely lady. Just, just he's the nicest guy ever. He, he really mm-hmm. is. Uh, and I, last week I was at the apex all week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and I saw, because they're, they're filming the ultimate fighter there. And mm-hmm. when I was busy, uh, sorry, not busy, I went for a little wander and I found myself wandering past and I spoke to a few of the guys on the teams and asked some questions. And obviously I can't say anything because, you know, because the guys were like, oh, I can't say anything to you. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Look where I am. I work for the UFC. You can tell me stuff and I'm not going to make it public. I know I have to keep my right. mouth shut. But, um, <laughs> um, um, yeah, and I keep bumping into Michael Chandler. And at first when I saw him, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, he's like, no, no, connor has been cool. Connor's been great. He's been really cordial. Well, that's all gone out the fucking window now. <laughs> and it had to happen. It had to happen. But that's what we want to see. You know, that right. sells the fight so much more. But, um, yeah, are you, are, you, are you surprised, Anthony? No, I'm not surprised at all. I just – because, be, well, number one, I think Connor, even if he didn't want to be confrontational, I think he has to be. Because nice Connor isn't a successful Connor. You know, the, the Connor that I, – I mean, I guess – the cowboy thing, they were pretty cordial with each other. So that, that was, that went okay. But the, the Michael Chandler thing or the, the, the Dustin Poirier thing. When the they were Island, nice to each other. Yeah. That, that didn't go well. It didn't go well. Um, I think he needs to be angry. And I think he knows that. And I think he creates drama on purpose because he needs it to fuel himself. I really do believe that. And anytime you're filming the ultimate fighter, when you're around, the other person, the other coach, for that amount of time. And when you know that you're going to fight, tempers, you know, sometimes overboil. You know what I'm saying? Because you're mm-hmm. around each other, you're filming, the, the the schedule is relentless, it's very, very busy. You know, sometimes you sometimes you just have to because the situation dance to the other person's tune. You know what I mean? Maybe you're going to mm-hmm. wait for them to finish in the gym, right? And you wait for your session to start. And it's like, come on, motherfucker. And you're like, well, hold on a minute. We've gone over a bit. We're stretching or whatever it is. There's all these little things that cause you to get irritated with one another. Right. And then, of and course, then the producers when- are like, hey, uh, Michael's running a little late over there. Are you going to let him do that? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they're stirring the pot. And then one of your fighters loses or wins or whatever, you know, and then you get mm-hmm. emotional and it all kicks off. 
But that's why we love it. Right. Anyway, we're going to do one question with you, Anthony, and then you're going to run and I'll do the rest. All right. If you do have a question, please send them into bympod at gmail.com. Make them good. Okay. They've been terrible lately. Harrington. If you're enjoying the show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the show. Leave a five-star rating positive review to help us out on those platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the channel and you hit that notification bell to find out whenever a new video drops. And if you want to catch over 400 episodes you can't find anywhere else, completely ad-free and uncensored, head to gasdigitalnetwork.com. Use the promo code BYM. Get yourself a seven-day free trial. Check out over 20 great shows on the network. What do we have, Brian? All right, so you better make question. this one a good one, Brian. First so, question we have here is okay. from Adam Tor. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Brian. Brian, is it cold where you are? You look yes. like you're freezing. Is it really cold? It's pretty cold. I also keep my window open so my computer doesn't blow up because it gets yeah. super hot. Okay, nice. All right. All right. Just checking on your uh, nice. temperature status. Yeah, good I got a window open right next to me, and it's good lad. Good lad. Good lad. Okay. Uh, first question here is from Adam Tor, and he has questions about the weekend. Hey, Blue and Crew. Adam here from England. Um, my question is about fence grabs. Um, obviously, it can have a huge impact on a fight. Um, we saw a recent fight between Asuncion and, um, and Grant, the English guy who won. Um, but it was a controversial fence grab in the late rounds, um, which potentially stopped um, Rafael Asuncion losing position. And ultimately, they stood up and he lost the fight. Um, he Keith Peterson did take the point off, but yeah, what was your view on these fence grabs? I mean, is a point off enough? Is it too much? Um, is the removal of position or subsequently the, the return to a position, you know, an adequate response for that? So yeah, it can have a big impact on a fight. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are and how best to deal with that um, going forward. Yeah, interesting point. Um, Harrington, you'll need to grab a load of fucking fences when this baby comes. So good luck with that, mate. And yeah, see you guys soon. Later. Harrington's grabbing the fences. Uh, real quick, then, what do I think about fence grabs? Um, yes, of course, they can massively impact the fight in terms of stopping a takedown, you know, and that's all it is. That's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Someone tries to take you down, you grab the fence, you don't get taken down. I think continual fence grabs, yeah, take a point. But what I, I think I've heard that some referees, if it's blatant, that the the fence grab stopped the takedown, they will take a point off. I think that's a little too much. I think what they should do is stop the fight and then put you down on the ground. I say, hey, if you didn't Mm -hmm. grab that fence, you would have got taken down. So we're going to put you on the ground, okay? And you say to your opponent, what do you want? Side control or guard? What do you want? Because that's the price you goddamn pay. And if you continue to do it, then yeah, maybe take a point. But I think for... You know, taking a point in a three-round fight is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It. I think what he's referring to in the debut, I, if I remember right, Asuncio was winning the fight, and he Asuncio had a top dom, like had a dominant position, and I think David Grant was working back to his feet, and I think he grabbed the fence to help him. Oh, he and did. So, then, so then they broke the action, separated them, took the position away from a sunset, but took a point from Davy Grant. And then Grant like landed a spinning attack and then dropped him and then joked him. So I think that's what he's talking about. I do. I, I agree with everything that you said, Mike, as far as uh, sometimes I think taking a point at some times is, is a little much. But also in the Alexander Volkov fight, to be fair to Romanov, 
Romanov had the takedown clean and Volkov did grab the fence and it did help. It did hold him up, which eventually led to Romanov getting gassed from trying to take him down and he got a finish. So uh, I think that, I think that that probably would have been the, the result of the fight anyways, but that, I guess that's not necessarily the point. Um, yeah. That might've been a situation where you, like you said, like you got to stop the action, stop the fight and take the position away because obviously Romanov would have gotten that takedown very clearly had it not been for the fence grab. Um, mm. That was a, that was a pretty bad one. Yeah. But, I'm very annoyed. I didn't really see all of David Grant's, David Grant's right. fight. I, 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 I was kind of, I was kind of in and out watching that one, but I think that's how it went down. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm not hundred percent for sure. No, I'm sure it is, but I'm glad you pointed that out because I wasn't able to reference that. And apologies, David, yeah. if you see this, trust me, I wanted to watch it so badly, but I was working. Um, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> You know, because sometimes for some people, it's just instinct. And it yes, is. of course. Well, when you're falling, you you, you grab. You, you, That's just part of it. A lot of the time, and I know this when I've done it, you don't consciously think, oh, I'm going to grab the fence. Right. You just do it because the adrenaline's flowing and all the rest of it. And it goes back to how, what I said before, trying to remain your emotions level-headed and all the rest of it. But it's hard. And you're fighting and the adrenaline goes and you grab the fence. If it's a clear fence grab and you stop the takedown, I say, put them on the ground. Stop, 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 stop. Down you go. Mount, uh, <laughs> Down side you control go. or in guard. You're that should here. be the new rule. I agree. You're out of here. Yeah, no, you're out of here. Oh. Come on. Yeah, I probably should. Strength no, I, and conditioning. I mean, you don't have to. Is that what no, you want? Strength and conditioning? Yeah, strength and conditioning. And what's, yeah. uh, what type of stuff will you be doing? It's a lifting day today. So it's a more of a strength day. Heavy, low reps. Today will be heavy, low reps. Yeah. Lots of legs. Um. No, this would be a full body one today. We kind of go it over used the to place. piss me off. Scott Prohaska, who I used to use, great guy. We're friends, and he's a very mm -hmm. smart guy. <sighs> the, the 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 fucking squats. <laughs> And oh the sled God, pushes and the deadlifts and all that shit. And I, I, I'm like, and we do that on a Monday night, the first one. Mm -hmm. I say, can we do the leg one at the end of the week? Because right. you're not the motherfucker that has to show up to sparring tomorrow right. and get kicked in the legs. And you can <laughs> yes. hardly walk. And you don't sit on the toilet because your legs are so sore. You get and, to like, and then your ass cheeks hurt and you fall on them. You get halfway down to the toilet and then you just have to aim and collapse because they're so painful. You can't fully control the sit down. You know this you're, phenomenon, Anthony? You're speaking my language. <laughs> oh, God. I don't miss those days. I'll tell you, I do miss having a better six pack, but I don't yeah. miss those days. All right, Anthony, enjoy right, the strength conditioning. Uh, we'll let you get out of here, mate. To you, to you Mike, and the boys and all the, all the believers, I'm sorry. I got a jet. Um, yeah. training camp is a motherfucker I'll be better get out of here hang up push the button you're Bye. just dragging the sh you're bringing the show down now there he is he's gone do we have any more we do have another question I was just going to say do we have Anthony, two more or one more we got two Anthony can Let's make go. it up to us by getting that W. That's what I'm saying 100% exactly right. uh, yeah let's do the two then what do we have alright so next question here is from uh, Caleb Young he has a question about you know staying in shape training What's up, guys? Caleb Young coming to you from the farm in East Texas. Um, last time we spoke, I was about to propose, and now I'm engaged. So that's good stuff. But today I've got a question for Lionheart and the Count about sparring. I'm wondering how often um, should I be sparring as a new boxer? 
Max Holloway has talked about how he's cut way back on his sparring regimen. Uh, you know, I think to save his brain cells, basically, because once you lose those guys, you never get them back. So, uh, yeah, I've trained jujitsu for several years and I'm just getting into boxing and I'm wondering how often should I be going those live rounds? Um, I would hate to over spar and have early onset brain damage due to that <coughs> and uh, just get my head battered around too often and have to quit the sport early. Um, versus I know I'm not Max Blessed Holloway. I know I'm going to have to get in there and do those live rounds to figure out what I'm doing and to sharpen up my tools. So where can the balance be struck? How much sparring is beneficial? How much sparring is detrimental? Um, yeah, thank you all for the help. I appreciate it. And uh, Anthony Smith, I really loved your segment last week in Vegas where you were sitting around the table with all of John John's other children. <laughs> anyway, love you guys. Much love. Thank you for all your help and all you do for us. Uh, peace. Peace out indeed. I'm, I guess I must be invisible. Um, no, uh, good question. What is the correct amount of sparring? Um, and this is highly debated all the time. You know, some people, like Max Holloway said, they've eradicated sparring from their preparation. Some people say you've got to train hard. You've got to train the way that you're going to fight. You know, you've got to remember Max Holloway is one of the greatest featherweights we've ever seen. So he's done a lot of sparring. He has the time. He has the experience and he has the accolades to go with it. The, the money, the wealth, the fame as well. Sparring is absolutely necessary. You have to spar. It's as simple as that, you know, because... Sparring is the most tiring aspect of mixed martial arts. You're actually fighting. If you want to get better at tennis, football, cricket, whatever it is, go play those sports. You want to get better at fighting, you've got to practice the fighting. It's all well and good drilling. It's all well and good practicing the moves, but you've got to do it against a real live opponent that's trying to hit you back. You know, when you're with your pads, your pad man, your trainer, you can look all well and fancy on the pads doing these beautiful combinations, slipping the shots and all the rest of it, rolling under one, two, da, 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 da. Try doing that against another man, though, that's avoiding you, that's avoiding your shots and trying to hit you back. That is a completely different kettle of fish, and you only get that ability by sparring people. You only get the ability to stay calm under fire by sparring. You know, when you go in there and you're sparring someone that maybe is better than you that day, or maybe he's just better generally, and you're having a tough time, you got to work on your defense. you got to work on staying calm. you got to work on... Everything, your footwork, getting away, just trying to survive. Because sometimes in a fight, you're in survival mode. Sometimes you've been rocked and your opponent's coming. You only develop those skills, that mentality, that maturity to deal with a situation like that when you've been through sparring. You know, I remember many times sparring when I first started. I remember this boxer and he was just bloody brilliant. He was so good with the hands and it makes you better. And you don't get to feel his power or recognize his advantages until you put the gloves on and you say, spar, fight, whatever it is, you know? You're going to go round after round. It will get you in the best shape. It will get your timing great. It will get your, well, you'll get the feedback as well. You know if you're generating power, you know, because you'll know if your shots are affecting your opponent. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to try and knock your opponent out because you should not be doing that in sparring. You should be training decently. You should have um, an, an, an aspect of your punches where it's hard enough to hit them, to make them to not want to get hit again, but not so hard that you're going to do damage because you want to spar with this guy over and over again. If you get a good sparring partner, you want to rely on that uh, resource a lot. You know, but that's the whole the whole thing. You gotta have a sparring partner that you can trust. A guy that when you do get tired, isn't gonna tee off on your face. Like I remember they called them, what did they call them? Shark tanks, they call them now, where I would spar and I would have a different man every minute. 
a different guy would jump in every minute for 15 minutes. And in fact, I've done it in some places where they change every 30 seconds. Well, every 30 seconds is stupid. Every minute, in fact, is stupid. The way I would do it towards the end of my training camp was every two and a half minutes. The reason I would do two and a half minutes and not a minute is because the round can actually unfold. You can create some traps. You can start to dictate a game plan. When it's just a minute, it's just a full-on sprint, and then the next guy comes in. And, of course, you're going to get tired. And by the third round, you're blowing out of your ass. And you've got to have guys you can trust that aren't going to now go, look, he's exhausted, he's tired, he can hardly hold his, hand up, hold his hands up, and now I'm going to try and knock him out and embarrass him. Nobody wants that. Uh, but, of course, the, the downside of sparring, though, because there is many, many upsides that I just went through, the downside is, of course, injury. Short-term and long-term. Long-term, of course, you're adding to shots to the head. Short-term injury, clashing shin bones, cuts. You know, getting a bloody nose, a bus slip, ca catching someone with your elbow. Maybe you clash heads in sparring. That's a common one. So it's very, very uh, dangerous, obviously, because of the, the 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 injury side of things. But, of course, long-term is the main thing that you want to worry about. And it's a fine line. What is the correct amount? Well, you have to spar. You just got to spar. I'm, I'm sorry. If anyone says that you shouldn't spar, I disagree with that. The reality is this is a tough business. It's a really tough sport, and you've got to get ready for a fight by preparing for a fight by sparring, and you have to train the way you're going to fight. If you don't do that, you're going to be exposed in the fight. You're going to get tired really quick. You're going to get shocked. You're going to get flustered. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're not going to know how to react in certain circumstances. You're going to panic when you put it in a bad position. That's why sparring and going through all of those things, they can be simulated. They can be controlled. They can be 50% power. There's lots of limitations you can put on it, but it's got to be done. It is a necessary evil. Thank you for your question. And I went on quite a little run there. But uh, Brian, do we have one more? Yeah, I got one more here from uh, Mr. Jordan McDonald. We may have Jordan McDay. before, but uh, it's pretty, he's pretty entertaining. Okay, let's take a look. My question today, Wade, is what's the most craziest interaction you've had with a fan? And what's the most craziest interaction you've had with someone who don't like you? And Harrington, I love you. I would probably make the crazy interaction because I will run, I'll run down right, I'll give a big hug. Do you know what I mean, Harrington? I love you that much. Everybody loves you, Harrington. Without you, there will be no Believe You in Me podcast. Oh, Harrington, get him on here. I, I feel weird just being on here by myself. It's like a lonely little barren wasteland. I, no, I don't want to I don't want to leave you hanging, Mike. No, no, he loves you, Harrington. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I do. I get, you know, for, for all of the FU Harringtons I get, there there is uh, there's quite a bit of love nowadays. It's very nice. Well, the FU Harringtons are a form of love. Let's be <laughs> honest. You know that. You know they're only busting your balls and they want to, you know, they want to send a little message your way. Appreciate it. I do. And uh, yeah, I have. The lines. Dude, I've met, like, I'll be honest with you. When we went to the, the card at MSG, I had about half a dozen people stop me. Like, yo, it's good to see you, man. Nobody asked for a picture, weirdly enough, but everybody said <sighs> hello. <laughs> hey, one day, something to aspire to. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. Um, weirdest fan interaction. Nothing springs to mind, if I'm honest. What about you, Harrington? What, in terms of maybe other people, not yourself or other people, what is the weirdest interaction you've seen from a fan with somebody else? 
Well, I mean, I I, uh, <laughs> I had a bad interaction as a fan the first time I met you. But um, other than that, I'm what was that? <laughs> I'm kidding. I showed you I had uh, I had you as the background of my phone for about 18 months uh, be, before I met you. The the you're where I think it's a, a, a big John is like grabbing you by the neck, dragging you off of uh, uh, with the big California State Athletic MMA. It's such a cool picture of you just like, ah, I did it. I knocked yeah. him out. And you were like, yeah, I couldn't be bothered. Then I asked for a picture. And I think you took a picture of yourself, like just did a selfie. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I've busted your balls. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, that's why I said it's, it's, uh, it was funny. Um, it seems like Harrington just came off as a punisher there. But yeah, he just, he just trying to make me look weird. bad. Yes, Brian. I have a pretty weird fan interaction with one of your fans when we were in Vegas that one time, the dude, there was a guy who ran up to us at the bar and was like, Hey, you know, let me take a picture whatever. So I took the picture with, I took a picture for you and for him with you. Right. That's English. And then uh, he was like, oh, let me get your number. He was texting me because like, I text him the like I text him the picture and he was texting me for the next three days to come <laughs> oh, hang yeah. out. It oh, was yeah. wild. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, they do like to do that, though. I've been asked for my phone number all the time. I'm like, no, you can't have my number. <laughs> Last week after the fight, after the pay-per-view, we went to a bar in Vegas, and there was there was three dudes, and I, I'm not sitting there talking about how famous I am or anything like that, but it's a UFC event, right? So there's UFC people everywhere. And we're having a drink, and I'm chatting away to Sean Shelby, and I can see there's three, and they were, on, they were only kids. I, I say kids, that might sound insulting. I'm not trying to be, but they were young. You know, I'm a 44-year-old man now. And I can see them just staring, you know what I mean? And probably thought, they probably wanted to come and ask for a picture but didn't have the uh, the courage or the nerves or didn't want to interrupt me. They were being polite, you know? But I can see, so I went over. I said, hey, what's up, boys? How are we doing? You good? You good? And they were all like, <gasps> like that. And uh, <laughs> there was a girl with them. And she come running over and she, like, legit started crying her eyes out crying she said, you're my favorite person in the world and all the rest of it and uh so if you want they said they watched the show so if you three and that oh. young lady uh i give her a little like on her instagram post because you can see the way you've been tagged and whatnot yeah she was she was a very nice girl and the three young boys it was lovely to see you know for every uh people for all the people that are out there that talk a lot of shit about mixed martial arts there's a lot of people that really respect and value what they do um so what is the Wait. etiquette? Just wondering. For people who are watching this, what is the etiquette for coming up if somebody wants to get a picture or say hello to you? Do you know? You, you know? Do you know what I really love? And I, and I get it that they all want to get a picture. That's I hate having these conversations. All right, I forget. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. We're talking about. It. I'm just saying. I hate having these conversations because it makes me sound like I think I'm so famous. And I don't do that <laughs> one little bit. I'm a very normal guy, but people watch the UFC. Um, but like, do you know what I really appreciate? When someone just comes up and like gives you a fist bump and says, hey, big fan, love your work or whatever. I find that so cool as opposed to them coming up and saying, can I get a picture? It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, when I'm in, when I'm somewhere where no one knows anything about MMA or whatever, you know, or if I'm in the gym or somewhere like that and I'm just doing my thing and then someone spots you, and they want a picture. I don't mind doing a picture, but the problem is in that kind of situation is that I feel like a dick. I feel like I'm being center of attention. You know what I mean? Like the other day I was waiting for Callum, sorry, uh, Lucas. He flew into Vegas uh, with his son, uh, sorry, with his son, with his friend, Johnny. And I was picking him up at the gate. I un unaccompanied minor, so I had to get a pass and walk through the freeway. So I was waiting at the gate 
and there's a bunch of people all queuing up there. So one guy wanted a picture. I said, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. But then everyone else starts looking around going, who are you? What do you do? Let me get a picture. I'm like, you don't want a picture. They're like, but you're famous. I'm like, I'm not famous. I'm not famous. And you don't give a fuck who I am anyway. So why are we going through this charade? Anyway, conversations like this are very cringe. When's the baby due, Harrington? Not long now. Yeah, uh, less than 10 days. It's a week and a half yesterday. So it could be the doulas on, on Friday said literally any day she wants to come. It, it, it's she's Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It's uh, literally any time. I mean, Callum was nine weeks premature, you know, so you could be literally any day now. And let's remind the viewers and the believers that you're the reason that the live BYM tour isn't happening in London this weekend. Boo. Man, you had to bring that up. Had you know, to bring that up. You know? Well, as that guy said, the show wouldn't be the show without you. We can't do that. We can't go, you know, half, half cocked. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean three quarters is, is still pretty good, but I appreciate that I'm that I'm that valuable that uh yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. we called it. Well anyway, we're gonna do a big in-depth uh preview of the pay-per-view this weekend, talk about all of that stuff. Leon Edwards, Kamara Uzma, big, big, massive fight. I'll be in London, so we're gonna pre-record it, but it will be dropping on Thursday. See you then.